to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49. Uh, We do represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. Very happy to have you with us today. A snowy April day, but I want to welcome, at least where I live, uh, I want to welcome uh, Duncan Giles back to our podcast. We have a lot to talk about today, so we better get right to it. Right, Duncan? Absolutely. Good to be here with you here. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Good to be here with you, Larry. That's okay. We're all it's it's, it's Friday, right? Well, I've got, <laughs> exactly. I've got some big news for you. I'm, this is something I haven't even discussed with Duncan yet, but I'm, this will be a surprise to him. Most of us know there was this big kerfuffle at this the Oscars. Will Smith got up on stage, slapped Chris Rock. It's been international news for days. Uh, news continues to come out about the whole thing. And um, they haven't spoken to each other, as I understand it, from all the media reports. So I understand that both Mr. Smith and Mr. Rock have friends that work at IRS, and they have become, and their uh, people have become familiar with our podcast. I just uh, heard from each of their agents, and they're wanting to reconcile and do so publicly. And guess what? They don't trust the entertainment media. So both of their agents have contacted me and Duncan. They want to actually appear on our podcast in order to publicly reconcile their differences. They want to appear here with us? That's right. They trust us and not the entertainment media. How's that? That's a scary, scary thought. But, you know, if it's going to solve an issue like that, sure, why not? You know, Duncan, we're going to have to get makeup artists and so forth. Uh, We're going to be international uh, celebrities after this happens. You know, the whole world is going to want to talk to us. I, it, there's not enough makeup for me in the world for that, but that's beside the point. No, I'm, if we can get that situation helped and you know, stop violence and the whole nine yards, I'm all for it. And, of course, the most important part of this story is it is April 1st, and it, of course, is an April Fool's joke. There's no way that would ever happen. I just don't know how many people we hooked on that, but uh, I just don't know. I always used to love doing April Fool's jokes uh, when I was in media. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember there there have been several April Fool's jokes radio stations have done in history of Indianapolis. One of them was when somebody actually uh, tried to put a story out that there was a there was a school of sharks in the White River. Do you remember that one? You don't. Remember I do that? not remember that one. There was a radio station that got on the air, and there were people coming out of the White River looking for those sharks. There was another radio station that acted like they were having some big parade. And it it was just sound effects. There was no real parade. People were coming. People were coming down trying to figure out where the parade. They didn't say where it was. Of course, they were looking all over town to figure out where this parade was. <laughs> oh well, and that's April Fool's jokes history. I want to talk about one other thing, Duncan. Before we get into our uh, the, the the meat of the the podcast today, we do have a Facebook page, NTEU Chapter Forty Nine Indiana. If you, you can find that on Facebook, and we have several hundred people who either follow or like the page. So we really appreciate the interest we've had. It's a very quick way for us to get information out to people. And we've, uh, try, I think, been very effective in trying to use that communications uh, mode. But what uh, we are finding out from Meta, the, of course, parent company of Facebook, is there's some problem with the account. I've been trying to get it fixed. It doesn't appear I can get it fixed. So we're setting up <clears throat> another page with that same name uh, because Meta apparently is going to deactivate 
the Facebook page at the address we have it now. It's going to have the same name. It's going to be the same kind of information, but we're going to have to go to a new location. So as soon as I get that finalized, if you come up on our Facebook page and find out that it's been discontinued, disabled, uh, just let Duncan Giles know. Just send him an email at nteu49 at aol.com, and he'll send you the new link. And we'll try to get that word out as best we can, including with the, the Facebook page where it is. Now, sorry this had to happen. It's not something we wanted to do, but we do want to keep the Facebook page going. And the only way we can do that is to put it uh, in another place, if you will. So, Duncan, sorry we have to do that, but it's it's just one of those things that happen in technology, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's This is not our choice. And it's like you said, it's worked very well. And I appreciate you getting the information uh, that I shipped to you out very quickly. So our members and uh, folks across the country can see it. But apparently Meta and Mark Zuckerberg and their gang have decided that for whatever reason, our page as it stands and where it's at is not the right thing that they want which baffles me, but it's like, whatever, as long as we can fix it by doing as you suggest. And if it does uh, come to occur, we will, I will be sending out a new link uh, to all our members via email. And again, if if there's somebody outside our membership and and you need that, I'll try to uh, work something out just on the Facebook page itself. But if you find out it's disabled, can I get to it? Just go to nteu49 at aol.com, send a message to that email account, and Duncan will ship that uh, new link to you as soon as we get that established. We're working on getting that done right now. With that said, let us go back to return to office. Last week, uh, Duncan, we had our first basic information available, a new contract with NTU and the, the management at IRS about the transition uh, out of the evacuation order, the return to work situation. Um, I think there are, there, there's a lot to be said, and we're going to talk about several aspects of this in this podcast. The first one is something we talked about last time, and we want to emphasize that. That has to do with telework agreements. Tell us what people need to be reminded on this one. Yeah, basically what's going to happen is uh, the first phase, which is uh, the IRS calling back some people. I'm not talking about the earlier phase. It's going to include leadership and some managers starting to come back to the office in April. But the May 8th date where they're calling back a few people and also volunteers who want to come back into the office can start doing that. If you do not have an approved telework uh, agreement in place by then, including taking the telework training that's online, then you will be called back to the office. So it's very important for folks who've never had a telework agreement. Um, you know, th- and I'm talking about folks like in call sites, um, you know, I, uh, and, you know, any place else, uh, TAS, folks who may be in the service centers, <clears throat> anybody who has not had a telework agreement in the past, We'll need to get one, uh, you know, and get it to your manager as soon as possible, because if not, by May 8th, you're going to be called back into the office. Now, there will be, as you mentioned, there's training that's required to be taken before you uh, uh, that the, before you put on telework. Uh, for those who have not had that training before, is it a video? Is it just step-by-step boxes, one after the other? What can people expect? Yeah, it's a typical IRS training. It's been on there forever. 
It's been a requirement if you're going to be on telework to take this training forever. Um, it's about, it's almost an hour and a half long. And the main thing to emphasize here is you do get to take that on the government time. Do not take it on your own time. Management has to allow you to take that on their your tour of duty time. So if you have any uh, confusion about that or have any issues with that, please contact your local chapter. If you're in the state of Indiana, absolutely contact me and I'll be more than happy to reach out and uh, educate the manager in question. One thing you did in the new national agreement uh, in the past, before the new one, uh, there was a series of well, a series, a listing of job series that are eligible for telework. Uh, and you have expanded that. And you mentioned that earlier about people in taxpayer advocate, people in the call centers. Uh, there are people who will be eligible for telework now that were not eligible before, uh, which is great. But if your job series is not listed in the agreement, there is something else you can do if you want to work telework. So tell us how that happens. Yeah, this is one of those things. And first off, I'm very happy with the work that the bargaining team did and with the IRS's cooperation that we were able to get a lot more job positions into uh, the telework arena for frequent telework. Um, we weren't able to get all of them because some job series, uh, the actual series itself covers a multitude of positions, some uh, that work well with telework, others that generally might not. So we weren't able to put those in. But what is in the agreement is, if you can show that your position can be done with um, you know minimally coming into the office and can be done almost all remotely, you know, you're not having to handle mail, you're not having to deal with anything like that, then you should be able to do frequent even if your job series is not listed under frequent. And that's in, under the agreement. So those are handled on a case-by-case basis. We want to make sure that employees do know that, that they have the option because there are a lot of um, clerical type positions, management and program assistant positions out there that would lend themselves to this because we've had a pretty good pilot for two years and able to show that there are a lot of those types of positions that can do the work, frequent telework, uh, because they've been doing it virtually from home for two years. So once again, if you uh, think that you might, uh, and really the test is, can you spend an entire day at home doing your work? And maybe you, you can't work a lot of days. Maybe th- during that paper, that two-week pay period, you might have a day or two where you could work at home. So that's really what we're talking about here. If you can work an entire day at home and get your work done, is that really the bottom line test? Yeah, it's it, or it, it could be several days. It just it varies wildly depending upon the duties of your position. You can't really ask somebody to do other things for your position. You know, like if you're part of your responsibility is handling the mail. Okay, well, I can ask somebody else to handle the mail, so I should never have to go in or I can do frequent. Well, if part of your responsibility is to handle mail and that's a regular part of your job, you're going to still need to do that. So that may not be days that you're able to telework, but do you have to do the mail every day? If you don't have to do the mail every day, then you may be able to do some telework at home. If you never have to deal with something like mail or meeting directly with your 
uh, team or directly with your taxpayers or something like that, you may have the ability to do frequent. So it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. And if you have questions, by all means, reach out to your chapter leaders and we can assist you with that. Something you quoted last time uh, we talked about return to office, the RTO playbook. Uh, You did quote that. It is uh, something management has put out. I think uh, we need to mention that the RTO playbook was something that came out of the management and has not, in fact, been negotiated with with NTEU. Is that correct? Yeah. In talking to the the NTEU team members on the bargaining team, um, who did a fantastic job on the return to office agreement. They covered every possibility that they could think of, and they made sure to get as much as possible um, for the employees in there. So I think they did a wonderful job. You know, this return to office playbook that the IRS has came out right after the agreement was signed. It's a 27-page document that for some reason was never mentioned during the bargaining. So apparently it just came up out of thin air over two days. I don't think so. I think that this has been out there for a while and they had planned that and they didn't share it with NTU. So as our, uh, our esteemed director of negotiations quoted in a call yesterday, we're treating this more as a suggestion that anything in there is a suggestion than a uh, a must because it hasn't been negotiated. What's been negotiated is the agreement between National NTU and National IRS on how the return to office should work. That's the binder right there. An RTO playbook is just that. It's a playbook. It's a suggestion. That's what they're looking at doing. But that is not at all wholly writ and has to be absolutely followed without question. Well, are there, I guess, a big question, and again, I'm retired. I'm not in the thick of this like you are. Uh, are there differences or conflicts between the uh, agreement reached uh, with NTU and the, the playbook put out by management? There are a lot of different hurdles in that RTO playbook that are nowhere in the agreement. It's sort of like when, uh, when a manager goes above and beyond what's in the Internal Revenue Manual, the IRM. Okay, for an employee to have to do this. Well, you've got to do, well, the IRM says this, but I want you to do this. Well, that's uh, very akin to what the RTO playbook is. And that, again, that's just, they can suggest that all they want. They can't force it, though. Anything that's different from that agreement is going to, you know, we can, we can grieve that. We can have the discussions with management and say, show us where that was negotiated with NTEU because a lot of times they're not going to be able to show that. Well, Deca, let's move on to another part of this. Uh, when we talked almost about a week ago, I asked you about the testing program. There has to be a testing program in place to return to the office. Well, a week, roughly a week ago, you told me that there was no testing plan in place. Any change in the last week? Is there anything more on testing? The only change is the IRS keeps pushing it off. NTU National has been very, very, very interested in what the testing plan is going to be. We want to see what it is. We want to learn everything about it. We want to see what we need to negotiate over the impact and implementation of this, as is our legal right. And every single week when we keep asking about it, 
all we keep being told is it'll be ready in another week. We'll be ready to share it in another week. We'll be ready to share it another week. It's like, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. They keep pushing it back. And so, no, we have absolutely no information as we're recording this on the testing program whatsoever. And we're anxiously awaiting that information. I really love the way you like to quote Wimpy every time this comes up. (laughs) And for those who don't know, and we're not raised on Popeye cartoons like uh, Duncan and I were. Wimpy was a character in the Popeye cartoon, kind of a low-life guy who was always trying to get a hamburger today. He'll pay you Tuesday. And we wonder whether Tuesday ever came for him. So that's that's what that reference was, was all about. Uh, something else that's been going on tied to uh, COVID and a lot of this uh, the vaccination mandate has been challenged in court. Uh, it is, at, I believe, at the uh, federal appeals court level. The appeals court has heard oral arguments. And, Duncan, they're, as many courts do at that level, they're taking their time and uh, issuing a decision. Yeah, people are asking, okay, what's, the, what's going on with the vaccine mandate? Do I still have to be mandated? Do the people who are coming back into the office still need to be mandated? things of, uh, you know, that nature. Do they have to be vaccinated? Right now, the appeals court has not issued a decision from the federal judge in Texas who said that uh, the mandate is not legal and the administration could not do it. Um, So we're just, at this point, we are just waiting to see what's going to be happened uh, with the appeal because it was appealed to the full appeals uh, court in the district where it was at. So we're, we're in a waiting game. So we have no new information on that, but it will be coming. It could come today. It could come three weeks from now. We just don't know at this point. And we'll try to get the word out once uh, once we get information. Yes. That, that is a court decision that we've been awaiting. And it's important to st- what happens at that appeals court level because people always say, oh, we can always appeal to the Supreme Court. Well, folks, I'm telling you, uh, the Supreme Court chooses which cases it wants to take. So those appeals court decisions can be extremely important, and uh, not every case goes to the Supreme Court. That could very well be the final decision. You, ju- you just never know. So uh, that's why have, that is uh, a decision, but people have been waiting a long time for it, and, and, and uh, uh, that will have a big impact on, on vaccine mandates for federal employees. Let's move on to something else. One thing that has happened in the last uh, week or so since you and I have talked the Biden administration has unveiled its budget, uh, more money for IRS and most federal agencies. That's very good news as far as what the president is proposing for the next fiscal year. We just got our current fiscal year passed, but they, you know, things are so behind that the administration has now unveiled its proposal for the coming fiscal year, which starts October 1 of this, this year. Um, so, Uh, One very important component of that budget was a proposal for a federal pay increase. Tell us what we know. Yeah, the pay increase, I believe, is 4.6. It's either 4.6 or 4.7 percent. And again, this is a blueprint of what the president is sending to Congress. This is not set in stone, anything of this nature. Uh, For the funding, Congress is going to do what Congress is going to do. But usually on the pay raise, they listen quite closely. Um, and they have proposed that. We don't know how much would be locality pay. 
this would be the largest pay raise in about 20 years. And of course, it's due to the way that inflation is going right now. There has been um, uh, plans afoot in uh, the House, and it has already been, I believe, um, starting to be proposed, that there's an even higher raise going on of about 5.1%. And that's being done by a couple of members in Congress who realize that inflation is is pretty darn high right now. And so they want to make sure that federal employees are taken care of. So the good news is, is both of those figures are fairly high. Do they match inflation? No. And I don't think we're ever going to get pay raises that match inflation. It's simply not going to happen. We wish it would. We push for it too. But realistically, I don't see it happening. But these are pretty substantial raises that they're being discussed. And we're hoping uh, that they'll continue to be on track and we'll have more news as it moves through Congress. I want to move on to something else, Duncan. Uh, it's very important for people to remember something. We all know that we must pay our federal taxes as, as federal employees, uh, especially working at the IRS. Uh, the IRS is pretty fanatical about making sure you pay your t- federal taxes and that you pay them on time and you file on time. But there's another part of this, just as important. You as, as a an IRS employee are expected to file your state tax returns and pay those taxes on time as well. There have been a lot of questions coming in lately uh, to you. I know you've, you've asked people uh, in our uh, bargaining unit, the people we represent in Indiana, uh, anything you want to talk about uh, during the podcast. And one suggestion was somebody who works in Indiana but has their home in Illinois and has been working telework quite a lot and wanting to know what implications that might have since there is no uh, reciprocal agreement between Indiana and Illinois, and Illinois tax rates are higher than Indiana's. Uh, what do you? Uh, what would you tell people with a question like that? Yeah, you and I have tossed this one around. I thought it was a really good question that was submitted by a member, and this could be any number of states across the country where you're POD'd in one state, you live in another state, and because of the evacuation order, you haven't really been in your POD. So do you still have to pay that state's taxes and things of that nature? The best answer, I used to be pretty darn good at tax law. You were a recognized expert at tax law. Both of our suggestions that we came up with is consult your local state tax agencies. Um, This could get very complicated due to the rules with pandemic and things of that nature. Our our suggestion is if you do have this situation where you live in one state, your POD is in another state, you haven't been, um, you know, you haven't been going to that POD because of uh, the evacuation order, that you contact both state agencies to see what uh, you need to do to make sure that your state taxes are filed correctly. Yeah, and it's a, Duncan and I were uh, people who worked in federal tax law, and I was a tax law specialist for several years. And, uh, you know, it's hard enough to keep up with federal tax law. Uh, and I did work for uh, Intuit one tax season uh, where I helped people with TurboTax and uh, down into the states and realized just how incredibly complex state tax laws can be. So Duncan and I want to help you as much as we can. You can always check with Duncan and he can point you in the right direction. It's usually uh, There's usually a way to find it online or to just call somebody at your state tax agency. We want to make sure you do this the right way because you are expected to file and pay on time 
your state taxes as well as your federal. We want to make sure you get the right answer and the right uh, guidance on that. And we are not the experts in it, and, and so we just want to point you in the right direction. Any other comments on that, Duncan? Nope, that's well said, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, let's go on to something else. We've talked about this before. Uh, part of the national agreement that was reached with uh, the management here uh, last year and, and uh, put into effect late last year, well, there was a child care subsidy program for the lower income uh, people who work for IRS. Uh, there were going to be a number of people who would be eligible for this. Uh, and NTU keeps asking about it, and, and the management says we're working with the vendor. Of course, the management chose the vendor. And now we're finding out that really nothing is happening. Every week you ask about it, and every week the management says we're working on it. There is still no child care subsidy for IRS employees. Uh, there has been a grievance filed. What do we know what, about what's happening with all this? Yeah, it is incredibly frustrating uh, for us as a local NTU chapter leader, and I'm sure my brethren across the country are feeling the same way, and national NTU, because this came out of, um, you know, this came from Ken Moffat, our national chief of national negotiations um, for the child care subsidy. It's a wonderful program. It's something the IRS agreed was a wonderful program. It helps with employee retention. It helps with employee recruitment. They're all for it. They searched for a proper vendor. They awarded it to the vendor, and it's done squat since then. Now, I've heard several things about this particular vendor. They're not good. Um, I don't think that they can handle the size of the contract that they've gotten, and I think that's why it's bogged down. Again, my personal opinion, from what I'm hearing, this is not uh, anything from national NTU, national IRS. This is just based on what I've been hearing. Um, but whatever the reason, it needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed fast. This is something that's in the contract. It's legal. It's something that's been approved by everybody. So we need to get this done so we can get help to the folks that do qualify for this to get money back in their pockets because they should be having this. There's no, absolutely no reason for it at this late date. Also in that uh, call out that you had uh, asking people, you know, what uh, subjects they would like for us to discuss on the podcast, one has to do with an issue that I can remember being discussed since I started in 1983 with the IRS. That is uh, giving revenue officers law enforcement status so they can retire after 20 years. Uh, that has been talked about for a long time. Uh, it's really good to revisit where that might be. It's, this is an issue that Congress must decide. Uh, what do you know about the status of all that? Yeah, this is one of those things. And first off, we did get several questions. And when I shot that out yesterday uh, to our members, and I appreciate that and keep sending those questions in. A lot of those types of questions were some that were pretty individualistic. And I responded to those one-on-one, uh, -on -one. but something of this nature. Um, yeah, like you said, this has been discussed forever where revenue officers should be having uh, what's called LEO, uh, law enforcement officer status, uh, so they can retire at 20 years. And for the first time, Congress has uh, been looking to include um, IRS revenue officers with this. Unfortunately, right now, as with a lot of other things, 
to deal with a variety of subjects. It's been languishing in uh, in Congress. So nothing much has moved on it yet. We are continually watching this. Our legislative department is continually pushing this when it talks to uh, representatives and senators in their offices. And, you know, going on NTU.org and, you know, doing a quick hit to your uh, representative, to your senators about this topic is never a bad idea. It's very easy to do. And, you know, it just takes a few minutes. You can, uh, they already have the letters pre-set up. And you can actually make your voice heard in this uh, very important thing, because I do believe that revenue officers should have it. When we're talking about revenue officers going back out in the field in late June, and you know, you see all these things now where more and more states are giving, you don't have to have a permit to have a gun. More and more states are passing a stand your ground law. And you're up there knocking on the door with no weapon whatsoever. You don't have defense. You don't have a weapon, anything of that nature. You know, I absolutely believe that revenue officers should have uh, LEO status, law enforcement status for retirement purposes. So this is something that's a very important issue. And I truly hope that Congress picks this up and um, and gets this passed. Looks like our time's about up. Final comment from Duncan Giles. I just want to... Uh, say that I appreciate, as always, the work that everybody is doing. And as always, uh, the last month or so, um, my thoughts are going out to the people of Ukraine who are fighting the good fight, um, you know, watching their country just being pummeled by artillery, by airstrikes, by things of that nature. But they're not giving up on democracy. They're making sure that they're keeping that fight against an authoritarian government. And that's what I think is just so important for all of us to remember. It does come at a cost, and we need to protect freedom wherever we can, especially, you know, places like Ukraine and here at home. Well, I apologize, Duncan. You broke up a little bit, but I think we got most of what you're saying. Uh, support Ukraine and, and, and the uh, battle that they uh, continue to wage to preserve their democracy. And I want to also say that I—, I even as a retiree, I've been retired more than 10 years, and I'm just so proud to have been associated with the IRS for the 28 years that I was, seeing the kind of work that is being done under tough circumstances. Some people coming into the office at some risk, others doing it at home where it's not always easy with the computer and technological setup that they have getting their work done. It's it's amazing what you've accomplished, folks. Pat yourself on the back. You certainly do deserve that. Duncan, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again next week if all goes well. We certainly assume that it will. And we thank you very much for watching and listening. We're on YouTube. Just go to Duncan Giles. There's more than one. Just check the one with the video feed that has the Chapter 49 podcasts. Our audio podcast is available at just about any platform. Search under Podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. You'll see all the podcast series I produce, or a number of them, and the Chapter 49 podcasts are listed there. Once again, we're all waiting for spring to really sprung, have be sprung. It is not there yet as we have snow in central Indiana on this April 1st. But we hope the weather improves wherever you are and wherever you're watching and listening. Thank you so much. Please be safe and be kind. Oh,